you're so full of the Holy Spirit. Like, you're so full of, like, the Lord inside of you. Like, so all that to say is we enter in today. I don't want, like, this Sunday, like, I'm not saying you have to be weird or wild today, but just that, like, realization that, like, the Holy Spirit, if you've said yes to Jesus, he dwells within you, and there's that power in there. And I just invite us today just to... Um, just invite him to rest on us even more, just to be present in his indwelling in us, just to invite him just to take that space and to yield to him. So I just invite you this morning, just maybe hold your hands out and just put yourself in a posture of yielding to the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you. <laughs> we yield to you. Lord, would you manifest your presence in this place this morning? You are the one we want. You're the one we desire. Holy Spirit, would you come and power and move? There is nothing like your presence, God. There is no other presence or spirit that brings the comfort and the peace that you bring. So Holy Spirit, would you come and move this morning as we yield to you? Oh, there's nothing worth more that could ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. Oh, I've tasted and seen. I've tasted and seen the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free. Shame is undone. Oh, right here, right now, Lord, in your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, oh, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Comfort this place and fill the Your glory, 
The atmosphere is changing now For the Spirit of the Lord is here The evidence is all around That the Spirit of the Lord is here The atmosphere is changing now For the Spirit of the Lord is here The evidence is all around That the Spirit of the Lord is here Overflow in this place Fill our hearts with your love
of God fall fresh on us. We need your presence, Lord. Your kingdom come, your will be done here as in
your Holy Spirit for us so that we may feel your power, that we may experience it. So Jesus, let us become more aware of heaven's reality, of the kingdom of heaven here and now with us and among us. Holy Spirit, we honor you and we thank you. Thank you for the presence of heaven that we can and do experience every day. Jesus, we lift your name and we honor and glorify you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, this morning. It is in your name we pray. Amen. If you would, turn to your neighbor and share a good morning and you guys can have a seat. You all got quiet fast today. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to North Star. I'm so glad to be here with all of you and all of you joining us online. And I don't know about you, but today I really need this reminder that we are made for more. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, God has so much more for you more to reveal about himself to you, more for you to learn about yourself and your identity in him, more of his grace and mercy and healing power, and just, just so much more that we can't even imagine. So that can start today right here this morning. So my name is Amy Mitchell. And again, I'm so glad to be with all of you here this morning. I've been coming to North Star now for a long time, and I have the opportunity to um, serve on the Women's Advisory Board and I serve back in North Star Kids and at the Care Center and lots of other things. I just love being a part of all things that go on here at North Star. I love serving the Lord with all of you and I love being a part of that heartbeat of who we are here. And I want you to know what that feels like. So if you're ready to get more connected or if you're new here this morning, would you please fill out that online connect card? It should be on the screen behind me or you can stop at connecting point on your way out this morning. We wanna know you're here, we wanna get to know you and we want you to get to know us. And also on that online connect card, that uh, link, you can also give there. And we always want to remind you that at least 25% of everything that is given to North Star goes right back out to our local and global ministry partners so that they can do the work that they are doing. And that is just something that is part of our DNA. It's something we've done from day one. And almost every year we give away even more than that. It's just who we are because it helps us live out our mission here of go, love, live. Go to the missing, love the marginalized, and live as God's kids. All right, I have a few announcements for you this morning. First, we're really excited to announce that we're gonna be having some outdoor baptisms, and that is gonna happen this Saturday, June 3rd at four o'clock. And afterwards, there'll be a cookout to celebrate those baptisms. It's just gonna be an awesome day, but we do wanna let you know that there's a little bit of hiking, a little bit of walking, climbing to get to the designated spot, so just keep that in mind. But we do hope that if you've been thinking about getting baptized, that this might be something you'd like to do. So if you'd like to sign up, today's the last day to do that. You can go um, to our website or stop at Connecting Point. Um, or if you just have questions about being baptized or what that means or what that looks like, when, please reach out to us. All right, and then also, if you've been thinking about serving here at North Star and you're like, I just don't know what to do, I have a great opportunity for you. So we have an amazing kids ministry. We do. It is awesome. And it's not just about babysitting. It's about pouring into the next generation 
of our leaders and, and, and those who are going to continue our legacy of just doing Christ, being Christ's hands and feet here. So we would love for you to join us in that because we need volunteers. So I kind of thought it was ironic. I, I answered a call of help that we needed some extra volunteers this morning before I got my, my list of what I was going to be talking about today. And so I'm not just wearing this t-shirt because I'm plugging the kids' ministry. I actually had nursery this morning, and I snuck out and snuck back in, but the kids were fine. We had plenty of coverage. So, um, but, so we need you because some of us do have to do double duty sometimes. So um, if you've been thinking about um, serving, this is a great way, and I promise it will be a blessing to you. And Amy would love to talk to you about that. So if you would like to do that, please um, see our website, Stop at Connecting Point, or hunt her down before you leave today. All right, and then finally, today is Food Truck Sunday. Yay! You probably saw them setting up over there. So after our service this morning, we get to go out and enjoy some yummy food from some local food trucks. There's going to be games for the kids, and this just is a time for us to make some new friends, catch up with some old friends, and just hang out together for a little while. So we hope that you're able to stay for that. All right, that's all I have today, but you can find out lots more on our website. We don't want you to miss out on anything that's going on here, um, so please check that out sometime during the week. And I'm going to pray for our morning. Lord Jesus, um, we just ask that you do break down those walls for us today, Lord, that you, um, you speak through David words that, um, that just break down any barriers that we have that are keeping us from you. So, Lord, um, use us this week. Guide our hearts, guide our steps, guide our, our, our talks with the people we come in contact with. And, Lord, we just thank you for who you've made us to be, how much you love us. And, Lord, we hope that we bring you glory this week as we go out and share you to others. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Amy. Well, hey, good morning. If I haven't met you before, my name is David Smith. Happy Memorial Day weekend. And uh, I don't think... You can really overstate what we're celebrating this weekend, brave men and women who have given their lives for the freedom of our country. And um, I just, you know, this is no pressure on all of you, but if you ever see anybody walking around with a hat on that says that they're a veteran of some war that has happened in the past, I encourage you, just stop them for a quick second. Stop them, put out your hand, thank them, and... Now, you may come back to me next week and said, they ignored me, they cursed me out, they punched me in the gut. I doubt that's going to happen. But those have been some of the real special moments I can think of in the last 10, 15 years of some of those conversations and questions and just honoring when you think about that. We don't have some foreign overlord over us like the Israelites in the Bible. I mean, Daniel had to worry about going up and praying in his own room because of the political situation we don't exist in that. We have freedom to worship, to gather today, to go out and have fun with food trucks. And we don't have to look over our shoulders. And so much of that is the brave men and women who have stood firm for our country and the freedom that we get to experience. And so I think the next step I wanted to do here, if there's anybody here who has served or you're serving right now, can we pray for you? Can you stand up? We'd love to acknowledge you and pray for you. Is anybody here today that has served or has? Great. Great, awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. So if you're around any of these folks, why don't you stand up, walk over them, put a hand on their shoulder, their arm, maybe not their neck or their thigh or anything like that, but just an appropriate place. Put a hand. Let's pray. So, Father, thank you so much for the freedom that we have. Let us uh, never forget all the sacrifices that have been made. Lord, I also pray. We have some family members and some friends, I'm sure, that aren't here today uh, that are either stepping into or been in a service role with our armed forces. So, Lord, we thank you. We also thank you that you are the author of true freedom, Lord. And so, as we gather here, let us not forget that. Let us honor our brothers and sisters. But Lord, always turn our gaze to you. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. <clears throat> well, we have another day to remember today. It is the day of Pentecost. 
the day where the Holy Spirit came upon the church and filled them with the same power that rose Jesus from the grave. Now, a misunderstanding could be as, wow, that's great. So God created this new product called the Holy Spirit and gave it to everybody right there on that very first Pentecost. No, the Holy Spirit has been around since the very beginning. It's the Trinity, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was working, was moving all throughout the Old Testament, but in this specific moment on Pentecost, it fills the believers, empowers them in a new and fresh way. You don't have to wait for the Spirit to move, it's now dwelling within us. And we all have that same privilege and blessing today. If you have given your life to Jesus as your Lord and Savior who died on the cross for your sins and rose again and to offer you an eternal life that you've received, that same power now dwells within you. Wherever you go, wherever you do, amen. Thank you, Ginger. We needed that a little bit, right? So I need five more of those at some point this morning. It is Memorial Day. Thank you for being here. So that same power that rose Jesus from the grave is with you wherever you go. And so even when the mistakes happen, the things you regret, you've got that spirit within you. Say, all right, Lord, I'm turning back to you right now. Be in the moment, even when you make the mistake you don't want to make. And so on that very first Pentecost, the believers are filled with the spirit and they would go on to give their lives for our spiritual freedom extending the gospel out to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, and even eventually Cincinnati, Ohio, or wherever you gave your life to Jesus, if you've made that decision uh, before in your life. They gave their lives because the church was born on a battlefield with people hostile to Christianity all around these new believers. And so it didn't take long for people like Stephen, who you may know from the book of Acts, uh, being stoned for their faith. So the believers of the early church had a daily decision to make. With this newfound empowerment, they had to ask themselves, what are we going to do with this every day? Are we going to go out and engage this hostile world for Jesus, or are we going to hide until the danger passes? Every day they woke up, that decision was before them. And did you know that today that decision is before many, many who call themselves followers of Jesus? Have you heard the story about Manipur, India, what's happening right now in the northeast portion of that country? There has been an ethnic cleansing of Christians by a group of radical militant Hindus. Now, this is not to say that all Hindus are like this. Some of my best friends are Hindus. But this is a militant extreme group that has gone into that part of the country. And there have been over 200 churches destroyed. 80 people have died. 66 thousand followers of Jesus in that area have been displaced and are now exiled, walking along the roads, trying to find a new home. And so every day as I do the scripture reading plan, I love that rhythm. As I do my pathway work, there is an app I came across. You'll see the app behind me. It's called Global Christian Relief. I've gotten a chance to meet with these guys, an incredible organization. Every day I click on that app and I spend two to three minutes reading an updated story about what's happening across the globe. Some of the stories are heartbreaking, some are inspiring, but it's about persecution happening in other places of the world. And one of the stories I read of late was a story about part of this 66,000 that has had to leave their home. And as they are walking along the road, trying to find where they're going to settle next, they decided at one point to pull off and just have a worship celebration together. You have to understand the enemy is still on their heels, still following them around. They don't go bunker in a cave. They don't go hide in the bushes. They just pull off the side of the road and let's worship Jesus right now. How do you do that? How do you do that with the very people who want to kill you are going to hear you, they're going to be able to spot you, but they worship anyway. And I'll tell you, here's why. Because their longing to be alive in Jesus is greater than their longing to just stay alive. That longing for Jesus is greater. And that's my dream for our church. That we wouldn't be a respected church, a popular church, or a successful church. That we would be a hungry church. Gang, that's all that matters. That the thermometer of hunger continues to rise. That's what I want us to be. A church that longs for Jesus like that. That's why I love this book of Revelation. It continues to point to the hunger and the longing for Jesus. 
It's not only the last book of the Bible, but it is maybe the most confusing and the most controversial of all the other books in Scripture. It was written by a persecuted believer to persecuted believers because the Apostle John at that time had been exiled to the island Patmos, banished for his faith. And of course, Revelation is apocalyptic literature. It's pointing to the end time. That's what that means the return of Jesus and the final defeat of Satan. Perfection of heaven coming to earth, but not just for 33 years. We think of perfection of heaven coming to earth as just Jesus walking, right, on our planet. But it's so much more than that. It'll be for all time, everything restored, everything redeemed. If you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go back, listen online, whether you listen to the Westchester or the Loveland Talk because it sets a foundation of what we talked about. And our main point from last week is that for Revelation, here's the aim, here's the bullseye that we wanna hit, is that Revelation is not this book just to decode the details, but it's to fix our focus on the finish line, that finish line of Jesus coming back. That's why we're calling this series Maranatha. Maranatha means our Lord come. If you take the Aramaic translation of Revelation 22.20, Maranatha pops up, that's what it means. Our Lord come, come, Lord Jesus come. In two days in the reading plan, we jump into Revelation. What a perfect combo. This is peanut butter and jelly gang. That's why we do it every series we do. The reading plan comes up, we start reading it. Let the spirit move and teach you throughout the week. Then you come on Sunday and we're talking about the exact same stuff. We wanna build hunger. And so sometimes strategies like that are needed. And so let's all dive deeper into this book. So last week, we left off in chapter three. And so John is writing these seven letters to seven real churches with real troubles during a, really t- a real time period. But then after those seven letters, John has what I would call the vision of all visions. And in chapter four, he gets to see what the throne room of God is what it looks like, not what it's going to look like, but what it looks like right now. And he communicates back this vision. And so we see this in chapter four, and I'll tell you, there is no greater scene than the human eye can see. Like, I just want to establish that. This right here, the throne room of God, there is nothing greater that your eyeballs could ever look at. This is it, the vision of all visions. I'm going to keep this picture up. So I'm going to read the scripture, but I want you to look at this behind me. Not the words, but the picture. After this, John said, I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The someone, of course, is God. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Ruby a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and pearls of thunder. In the front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the front and in the back, uh, in the center around the throne, sorry, there were four living creatures They were covered with their eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second like an ox. The third had a face like a man, and the fourth was a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings. It was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and is to come. Two key words never stopped. The worship continued. And here's the thing, we even got to the point that there are tens of thousands upon thousands of angels circling this throne room. The worship continues. That's why I love these first 25 to 30 minutes when we're worshiping together. Or if you come out to the prayer room, every Friday, 12 o'clock in this room, we have a prayer room and all we're doing is worshiping. We're praying, we're being with the Lord. What I loved about this past Friday is there was a handful of kids just running around with banners and flags, different ages and stages of life, worshiping God. And for that hour, we don't stop. The reason why those those things are so important is because that's a representation of the throne room. The reason why we do this prayer room because we're saying, God, that's where we wanna be. We wanna be in your presence. 
And so we're coming to worship, a throne room moment of asking heaven to come to earth. Now, for those of you who hate singing, the good news about heaven is it'll be a little bit more than that. It'll be more than worship. You'll love it in heaven, though, I promise you. And maybe the prayer room on Friday. Just come and check it out. I'm promising you. It's a good thing. But there's also going to be fellowship. There's going to be fellowship with Jesus, fellowship with other believers. We're going to be serving God. We're going to be enjoying our resurrected bodies. No pain, no hardship in a city of gold. That's the finish line. That's why we're reading this book, to fix our focus on that finish line, not just to decode the details. The details are great, but without the focus on the finish line, who cares about the details? So we move from chapter four to chapter five, and now we run into a problem, which is a strange thing to think about a problem in the throne room of God. There's no sin, there's no Satan, there's nothing but perfection. But in this vision, there's a problem. There is a scroll that God wants open. And there isn't anyone who's willing or able to open the scroll. And John is heartbroken. I can imagine him in that moment beginning to panic. Like, what are we going to do? This scroll needs to be open. And so finally, somebody volunteers. And it's not just a lamb, but it's a lamb that's been slayed. Slain. And I can imagine that's not a pretty picture, right? You can even see behind me. The lamb that was slain steps up and says, I'll do it representing not only Jesus, but Jesus who goes to the cross for our sins. He went to the cross. He paid the penalty. See, don't disconnect the two. If you don't have Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, there's not this moment. The throne room in heaven can't be occupied by any of us if there's not the lamb that paid the penalty with his blood. And so the lamb says, I will open it. And then the next chapter Chapter 6, as worship continues, the lamb begins to open six of the seven uh, seals on the scroll. And what we find is that the four horsemen of apocalypse are released from this scroll. Sounds like a bad horror movie because I think it actually is. I think if you go back and watch something from the 80s, the four horsemen of apocalypse is what should bring terror and fear inside of us because they're bringing death and destruction to the earth. But the silver lining of all this is that this is actually what we want to happen. Because these four horsemen being released signifies this is the beginning of the end. The end of all pain, all hardship. Satan's demise is before us. It's going to be difficult. There's going to be a tribulation. But the end has finally begun. And so what I want to do here is something I don't do very often at North Star. So I want you to imagine there's some scholarly hat on my, in my hands right now. I'm going to put this hat on. And you're going to be able to go home today and tell your neighbors that your uneducated pastor sounded pretty smart today. So this is a big moment, okay? So bear with me for the next five or so minutes. Because what we find in Revelation 6 is something that is also communicated in Matthew 24. I never noticed this until about a few years ago. And whenever you see a parallel, you've got to figure out, okay, why are these passages saying the exact same things? Because in Matthew 24, Jesus is explaining to his disciples, hey, when the end comes, here's what it's going to look like. Let me describe it to you. And he says in Matthew 24, there's going to be false Christs out there, people who claim to be Jesus, but they're not. There's going to be wars, famine, death, martyrs, and worldwide chaos. Now, interesting, as we look at Revelation chapter 6, the four horsemen are released. Look what lines up. The first horse is a white horse. And its rider is the Antichrist. Now you may go, whoa, wait, wait, wait. I thought the white horse was Jesus. Yes, there's another white horse coming later on in the story. That is Jesus. I believe personally this white horse is the Antichrist. Then we get to the next horse. The red horse is of war. The black horse, famine. The pale horse, death. There's martyrs and there's worldwide chaos. I mean, these are in exact order that we see in Matthew 24. The parallel, the pattern, can't be more perfect. And of course it is, because what Jesus is doing in Matthew 24 is going, guys, I'm telling you, this is the way it's going to end. And so when John writes down this vision, it lines up perfectly with Matthew 24. But where we can get thrown off a little bit is that when we're doing prophetic patterns of parallelism, we want everything to line up exactly in the chapter. But the problem is there's something in Matthew 24 that we don't see in Revelation 6. 
And they can get us doubting whether this is really intentional. Here's what it says in Matthew 24 that we don't find in Revelation 6. Jesus says, verse 12 to 14, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom, this is key here, will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. And so he's acknowledging two groups here without giving them names. Jesus says in Matthew 24, there'll be some group of faithful evangelists and they're gonna take the gospel and preach it to all nations. Then the end will come. But we look at Revelation chapter six, we go, I don't see any faithful evangelists. David was lying to me. This isn't lying up. This is no parallelism. But what most theologians think, the reason why you don't see this group of faithful evangelists taking the message to all nations in chapter 6 is because at the very beginning of Revelation chapter 7, there they are, right there, and they're given a name. They're called the 144,000. Now, after the scriptures were written, there's a group of future editors that came around and they started putting numbers and verses and chapter breaks into the scriptures. And there's a chapter break between chapters six and seven in Revelation. If you took that chapter break away, you'd be like, oh yeah, this just continues. It's still a pattern of parallelism. I'm not saying the chapter breaks aren't important, but don't let them get in the way. Because if we were to let it get in the way, what we wouldn't recognize in this moment, here we have a name for these faithful evangelists taking the gospel to all nations. And it's the 144,000. And in Revelation 7, it says that there are 12 tribes where 12,000 of these evangelists come from. And it's the nation of Israel. Now, it's a little odd. You start reading a list of the 12 tribes. It's not what we read throughout the rest of scriptures. Most of them line up. The tribe of Dan is nowhere to be found. There's a couple other changes in there. But then we also realize seven chapters later in Revelation 14, they mentioned the 144,000 again. Now, it's pretty positive. It says they're overcomers. They've been redeemed. They've followed the lamb wherever he goes. I'm going to assume those are the same groups. Revelation 7, Revelation 14, could be wrong, but I think it's the same 100,000. But here's the question that everyone fights over. Not you guys, you would never fight over these kind of details. <laughs> but man, there was a lot of controversy about this. Who is this group? And some people say, well, it's, it's obvious, right? It's the church, the universal church of all time. So all of us and every other believer who's ever lived on planet Earth will be part of the 144,000. It's not a number, it's more just a title. Some people say, no, no, no. It is the church that's only alive and existing during the tribulation time, those seven years. And then there's a third group. Now here's where I fall. I know some of you may disagree and that's okay. We can still be friends. I believe the 144,000 is a remnant of faithful Jewish evangelists and that they are going to take the message to all nations. Now, the reason why Christians hate hearing this, I'm gonna pick on all of us, we like to be special. And we think sometimes, well, yeah, we took the specialty away from the Jews. And why are you gonna let them back in just because of the chosen people? Well, what I wanna say is we're not that special. None of us are, okay? Jesus is special. <laughs> we're lucky to be invited to the party. But also these Jews, this remnant of 144,000, they're gonna give their lives to Jesus. You only step in. He's the only name under heaven which we may be saved. And so settle that a little bit because this remnant is gonna bow their knee to Jesus as their Messiah. And so with that moment, the Jewish remnant, and we look at this not only in Revelation, but you're gonna find your eyes are gonna open up from here on out. And you're gonna see so many moments in the scripture where it's pointing to the Jews, playing this crucial role in the end times. And so there's one last parallel I want to tell you before we move on. Today is Pentecost. And I just want you to think about what Pentecost represents. A group of Jewish believers, newly empowered, going out to make disciples of all nations. That is exactly what the 144,000 will be. A group of Jewish believers, newly empowered, going out to make disciples of all nations. But regardless of who you think they are, I think what could be just as important, if not more important, is what we read next in Revelation 7, 9 verses 10. This is the fruit of the ministry that the 144,000 are going to do in the future. 
John says, after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude. Nobody could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes. They'd been washed clean through the blood of Jesus. And they were holding palm branches in their hands, not waving them for a military victory, like we saw on that first Palm Sunday, but waving them because they understand the spiritual victory that is at hand. And they cry out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And so who exactly is this multitude that now John is turning his eyes to? This multitude are all the people who are going to answer the gospel call of the 144,000 during the Great Tribulation. And if you're not impressed, let me tell you what the Great Tribulation is going to be like. You think it's hard to share our faith today? To say yes to Jesus? To wake up on Memorial Day 2023 and come to church? Which, by the way, thank you for coming out on Memorial Day. It does take a little bit of extra energy. But in the Great Tribulation, we're going to be introduced to what's called the unholy trinity. There's going to be a rise of that group. And the unholy trinity, as we read in Revelation, is the false prophet, there's Satan, and then there's the Antichrist. The Antichrist will be the greatest, most vile embodiment of sin that will ever walk on our planet. And people will argue, where is that person coming from? Are they here among us today? That'd be great food truck conversation. Right now, I just want to acknowledge the vile embodiment the Antichrist will be. Some people believe the Antichrist will actually fake a fatal wound or he will die and he will come back to life or he will fake resurrection. And what happens is that will begin to divide the people. And they'll start to believe, I don't need to follow Jesus. This is the one who I really should be following. Antichrist, false Christ. That individual is part of this unholy trinity. There will be so much There will be supernatural, natural disasters, unprecedented persecution, worldwide hardship, famine, war, pain, suffering, the most difficult period in the history of our planet. There is no more difficult time that has happened or will happen. But even during the Great Tribulation, the 144,000 will not buckle. They will not break, and they will stand firm in their faith. It doesn't matter how bad it gets. They will not buckle. They could just take their faith, hunker down, and hide until the tide of tribulation passes, but they don't. Instead, here's what the 144,000 will do. They will make a decision daily, not to hide their faith, but to step out each and every day and reach a multitude that can't be counted. And you want to know why? Why they will do that in the future? Because their longing to be alive in Jesus and for others to be alive in Jesus will be greater than their longing to just stay alive. When our team was brainstorming this series, we actually had a good laugh. We started thinking, why why do people cry out for Jesus today in 2023? Like, have you ever caught yourself in that moment crying out, Lord Jesus, just come, take me right now. And we started brainstorming and thinking, well, it's probably because somebody has one of those days that we all have, right? We've all had it. You go to work hoping to get the promotion and you don't get it. Your child gets caught vaping at school and then your cat vomits on the new carpet. Like, it's just one of those days. (laughs) It just, it can't get worse. And you come home and you go, Lord Jesus, just take me. Come, Lord Jesus, come. I'm done. I want to escape. I'm finished. And those moments, they're normal, they're natural, and they're real. When you have pain, when you have illness, when you're rejected, when there's another school shooting, we say those words, don't we? Come, Lord Jesus, come. Just just end it. Take us all today. Those are very normal, normal feelings. I had a friend who passed away of cancer quite, quite a while ago. And he wrestled with it for years. And so he would get to the point where he would just pray, Lord Jesus, just take me. Like, it's too much. And as somebody who was a friend, like I would watch and go, yeah, this is, this is too much. Jesus, just take him. And so he would pray that from time to time. He longed for relief. But it's amazing he didn't hide. And so people would want to come over to hang out. <clears throat> he'd welcome them in. He'd listen. He'd pray for them. He'd bless them. Because as much as he longed for relief, man, he, 
he longed for Jesus so much more. And what he noticed in his own life, all right, Jesus, if you didn't hide from your tribulation, I'm not gonna hide as well. Talk about a life lived well. And this is the thing about the 144,000. Whoever they will be, they're not gonna hide as well. They are not gonna hide. They will be Maranatha people who so desperately long for heaven on earth that what they're gonna do is they're gonna stand firm to help bring heaven to earth. And so when the end times come, and they will, and the Antichrist is on their heels, the 144,000 will decide every single day we are gonna be more than a footnote in this story. And when that thought came to my mind, I started typing it down on my talk. I felt like the Lord stopped me right there. And what that feels like to me, just feels like some breaks have just started screeching in my heart. And I just thought this, all right, Lord, what do, you, what do you got? What are you saying? And I felt like what he said to me, not an audible voice, but just something in my heart. I felt like he said, David, are you willing to be more than a footnote in this story? Because each and every one of us, we're part of the story. We're moving toward it. Are you willing to be more than a footnote in this story? Are you willing to be like the 144,000 that are still yet to come? And friends, I hate to admit this, but like I hesitated in that moment. Because what I'm not sure about is if I'm willing to pay the cost that will come if I decide to live my life that way. Because there's a schedule I'm gonna to have to sacrifice and comfort and convenience. And maybe if I start really leading the way God wants me to lead, who knows what's gonna to happen to our church and to my family and to my friends. Am I willing to pay that price to be more than a footnote? But then I paused again. I thought about, okay, let's think about the future. What is it going to cost 144,000 to stand firm in their faith? And then I thought about the past. What has it already cost Jesus to go to the cross for my sins? Died on the cross for a payment I couldn't pay on my own. But then he rose again three days later. He says, David, do you want eternal life? Just say yes. If you have not made that decision, every week we have prayer teams up here. And I know it'd be very easy for me to say, hey, everybody bow their heads. If you want Jesus, raise your hand. It's not a bad strategy. But I want us to step out and to move forward, saying, yes, there's a price to pay, and it's glorious, and it's good, and it rises the hunger. North Star, are we willing to pay the cost and be, to be more than just a footnote in this story? Because if we are, that hunger is going to rise. The thermostat's going to go up. And when the hunger rises, what you start noticing is heaven begins to break out in this place like never before. I saw it this Friday in the prayer room. I'm just watching it going, there it is. There it is. It's breaking out. Hunger, 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 hunger. That's how heaven breaks out. I believe right now God is looking for a present day, 144,000. He's saying, who's going to volunteer? Who wants to step up? A present day, 144,000, not a specific number, not a certain type of nationality, but a group of people who longs to be alive in Jesus more than we long to simply stay alive. And so are we gonna be those people? That's really why we gather every single Sunday to look at each other in the eyes and go, are we gonna be those people? Because it's worth it. Yeah, it costs. There's gonna be a price. But with 144,000 show us, it is worth it. And so I want to give us a few minutes to ask ourselves these questions. We are all so busy. Our schedule is so full. So receive this as a gift I want to give you for the next three or four minutes. I want you just to close your eyes, to sit back in your seat. We're going to even have some spiritual music playing to help you just relax a little extra. Here's the two questions I want you to ask. You'll see them behind me. The first question is, what will it cost me? if I'm gonna be part of this present day 144,000? And number two, just ask yourself, why or why not am I willing to pay this cost? And whatever you answer, there's no condemnation, there's no guilt. Jesus just says, I just wanna have a conversation with you. I just want us to be honest. And so as we step in this moment, maybe go ahead and close your eyes. I'm gonna pray, Holy Spirit, I would ask that your words and the words of our minds as we think about these questions would come together, would unite, would merge, 
And Father, there'd be a coming together of just honesty and openness, but also of hope and inspiration. I pray against any guilt or condemnation. No, no, that's not what we're doing right now. We're dreaming. And Lord, even if we're not ready to pay that cost right now, that we know that you're sitting with us. You're not shaking your finger at us. The Father just wants to have a conversation with you right now. He wants just to tear down that curtain. The curtain doesn't need to be there any longer. And so, Father, let us be face-to-face with you. And so the next three or four minutes, Jesus, just move in a powerful way. Amen. to be sealed, would you put a comma where there needs to be a comma and continue it? So Lord, just thank you for this time. Amen. Why don't we, uh, why don't we all stand? And as we stand, I want to I wanna own something to you guys. I've been, uh, I've been an addict of something my whole life. It's called sugar. I don't know if anyone can relate. There's a new Thornton's off of Field Dirtle. <laughs> and they have a 99 cent 24 ounce Coke Icy. And so if you walk in and you see my head dipped with the, I mean, it's so good. But what, is, what, what do sweet treats do? They, they, it's interesting. They satisfy something, but they also create something. Like I realize it satisfies my desire for sugar, but then it just creates it more and more and more. And that's what we're doing here. This is the sweetest moment because what we're doing is we're coming up and responding and saying, I've got this hunger and therefore I need to respond. Or we're saying, you know what? I don't have the hunger. I don't have the thing I really want and need right now. I'm gonna come get it. And so whether you're in the, I wanna come get it, or I need to respond to what I already have, let's respond this morning. We're gonna have communion that you can take, the body, the blood represented, 
as we reflect and thank him for what Jesus did on the cross. And then we have prayer teams up here. I, I think this idea of hunger has really just resonated with me. The idea that we would be people that are so hungry we can't get enough of Jesus. I understand some of you have got schedules, you get a run or you're smelling the meat out in the parking lot. Like it's, I get it. But I love seeing hungry folks come up and being fed through prayer. So what is it, what is it that you need this morning? Do you need more hunger? Do you need healing? Do you need deliverance? Do you need a relationship repaired? Do you just need more joy? Whatever it is, the Lord's saying, let's come, let's come and ask and be with him. So Father, bless this time, this next section that we step into. Break off chains, bring freedom. Holy Spirit, we don't have to just pray that you swoop in. This is a resting place for you to come. This is your playground. Come and have your way. Bring answer to prayers long prayed. Bring freedom long desired. Bring healing that we once thought was impossible in this space. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So come up, take communion, receive prayers. You feel led.